Right, well, um, welcome to today's um, uh, digital masterclass um, from MediaWorks um, on this uh, beautiful, sunny uh, November morning. Hope it's sunny where you are. Gorgeous day today. Um, I'm uh, Paul Mallett, so I'm Managing Partner at MediaWorks in Leeds. And joining me today, we have uh, Andrew Blankensop, Creative Director. Morning, everybody. We've got uh, Christian Serisola, who's our PR Director. Morning, everyone. And Natalie Newton, who's our head of content strategy. Morning. So, um, and thank you all for joining today. Um, the title of today's uh, masterclass is The Ultimate Engagement, Fusing Digital PR with Search, Social and Content, which um, I'm sure, um, you know, we all spend a lot of time thinking about, working on, and, you know, lies at the heart of a lot of our kind of um you know marketing strategies nowadays um and uh yeah getting it right is um is 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 great when it happens it's often difficult to do you know you're kind of fusing together kind of what were traditionally quite different disciplines people from different mindsets uh, different objectives and um you know uh, probably also um you know um a bit of people look at you know traditionally PR might have looked down its nose a little bit at search and uh, everybody wanted to do social so um, you know I think you know some of this is about you know having a a very clear goal for yourself and your business and then making those people um, kind of fitting around the goals so getting the goals and getting your thinking straight is really important so I think you know hopefully today's session will help crystallize a bit of that thinking Um, so I think I think at the excuse me, I've just lost my place in my talk. This is the best bit for back again. Um, right, so I, I'm not a comedian. I mean, you know, we'll we'll have dreams that one day we might, uh, you know, tell a joke on stage, but uh, I don't think it's for me. Right, so is your marketing newsworthy? I think I think that is the critical thing. And, you know, we're talking about creating campaigns that attract media attention, attract influence attention, and that, that is a bit of a holy grail for most people. Um, you know, how do you create content that really engages with, you know, both your existing audiences and potential audiences, and, uh, you know, connect your brand with those audiences um, and, and do that consistently? So, um, I think we've got, you know, as per normal, we've got a bit of a structure that we're going to go through um, to, to help break this down and, you know, h- how we can really get to the point of having a bit of a machine that works and kind of goes across your full funnel, your customer journey and can play its role all the way from awareness to conversion. So um, I think just to start off with, Christian, um, you know, so often we'll talk about telling brand stories because at the heart of doing this kind of thing well is not making an advert, but actually telling a story. So if you can take that and just kind of get us going, that'd be great. Yeah. It, you know, it's a, it's sort of a, a, a big old question, isn't it? So how do we tell our brand story and, and, and kind of, I, I guess, um, you know, we'll, we'll all have some views on this, but um, certainly with, with sort of um, PR colored uh, spectacles on, um, you know, I, I, I like to think in, in PR, we're certainly in the business of telling stories, and 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 the reason we do that is is because it's sort of it's it's in all of our human nature really to to sort of connect to to, to great stories, and I think some you know good brands um, sort of identify with this. Um, I, I think you know they know and they appreciate, and as, as you sort of hinted at Paul there, that you kind of you just you can't just ram you know your your product or your service down 
um, the throats of your potential customers day in, day out. And, and you know, we, we as, as individuals don't respond particularly well to that. And so we've got to be, um, you know, a bit smarter about that and create these stories that align with our brand, that, um, that develop better connections, um, try to, you know, develop that in, better engagement and that sense of loyalty, which I, I think is really, really important. So um, I, I guess in, in, in the first instance, good brand stories almost come from, a, I suppose, a place of confidence a little bit um, in, in who that brand is and, and kind of what they stand for, um, you know, to, to go almost right to the top of the tree. Someone like Nike, they, they sort of don't hang their hat on um, a story of creating great trainers. Instead, they tell this story about how they create great athletes. Um, and, and that, you know, that all of their message and their comms activity really follows that. And that's kind of why they're so closely aligned with, um, you know, doing lots of work with really great athletes, because they want to tell that story about how, how we can become great athletes rather than just put on a great pair of trainers, because I think that goes down that sort of sales route. So, um, you know, Marmite is another great example of having real confidence in their voice. They've admitted for years now that kind of 50% of the population thinks their product sucks. You know, the whole, you know, you love it or hate it um, kind of messaging. That's that's, that's, that's just really confident sort of place and tone of voice. Um, and I think it's something that's sort of increasingly crucial to, to, to sort of try and get right. Um, I don't think you sort of, you know, I've, I've given two examples. You don't have to be sort of a, a global kind of mega brand to, to start getting the, the the right elements in place yeah and I think I'm I suppose if you're not actually sure where to begin uh, a good place to start is actually looking at your target audience and and who you are actually trying to target with this content and the ideas so it's utilizing various different tools like Google Analytics, YouGov, GWI just so you can start to get an understanding of who they are what the value, maybe their lifestyle behaviours, what kind of they feel towards social issues and also how they engage with content. Additionally, then would go a step further and start looking at social platforms, kind of what media publications are used. And essentially all of that then kind of you can take forward into that creative execution. So it's kind of looking at kind of format, but then also what channels you should actually consider when you are creating this content. Because it's one thing having a great idea and creating content, but it's obviously making sure that you can be seen by your target audience. Yeah, and I think it's um, one thing having a great brand and a great product, but, you, you know, working out why that is relevant to people. And I think when we're, when we're doing this piece of work that Natalie's talking about there, it's saying, okay, well, what are you interested in that I have got something to talk about? And, um, you know, I think a lot of brands go wrong by just talking about what they think is their agenda without um, thinking about why it's relevant to the audiences that they're going for. And these data tools really do tell us, you know, kind of pain points, um, you know, things that are going on in society. It might just be the life stage that you're at that you, you're going to have a product that's going to be relevant. Blanks, you look like you're yeah. putting your in there. Good, and I probably wasn't meant to, was I, Paul? But you know I like to do no, this. go for it. Oh, I like to just go with it. I think the whole thing is sincerity, isn't it? It's like you can't just go up, you know, you can't just think, actually, my audience cares about this. This is what my story is going to be, and this is the kind of way the content I'm going to create. Like, it has to be very very closely like your, your brand values as well you know you have to understand who you are as a brand for it to actually like not be relevant but actually be kind of sincere because otherwise you can't be just this brand that has nothing to do with a particular topic or subject or you know trying to say something that is just not aligned with you because then it's just going to fall on deaf ears no one's going to believe in it no one's going to buy into it um like 
I hate, well, I know I always do it, but I hate coming on here and saying like big brands, big brands, but like I always go to Red Bull and I only went to Red Bull because I was on the website the other day. But, you know, big brands like that have become like big storytellers where it's at the forefront of the brand. You know, Red Bull know that their product is, I don't even know how to summarize what it stands for, but like, you know, it's exciting, it's thrill seeking, it's extreme in all levels. So when I went on their website the other day, it was like the most extreme sports activities, anything. It's just so tightly aligned with the Red Bull brand that, I mean, nine times out of 10, if you see some guy free jumping off a building, you just associate the Red Bull, you look for the badge because they are so tightly aligned with that kind of, you know, that storytelling piece. And I, they are, yes, big brands, but because they've done it so much and because it is so kind of caught who they are as a brand, then you just believe it. You expect to see it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I think just, just, we're just slightly carrying on going off piece from the script for a minute, but um, I think it's really important for a brand like Red Bull, which you'd argue is actually low interest because you don't spend all day, every day thinking about what you're going to have to drink next. So yeah. you have, so you have to, you have to realize that about your consumer and then, you know, by having the always on kind of consistent storytelling that can, that can tip you, you know, when you, when you see the brand on shelf, you're going to go and pick Red Bull instead of Leakside. I think the other, the other, the other area that this is another way to really help thinking about why this is important is for brands that um, you're only in the, you're not in the market all the time for it. So it might be something that you buy once a year. I mean, you could say trainers, you know, some people are only going to buy trainers, you know, once or twice a year. Um, And, um, you know, it, and it's kind of why advertising can be ineffective with some of those brands because you're kind of trying to talk to the whole market and, you know, not everybody's in the market to purchase. But actually telling stories around your brand keeps your brand top of mind, keeps it there in a way that isn't overly salesy so that when you do, the consumer does come back into market, you've said that they've got a lot of thoughts and memories about your brand in their head, which is going to tip in their favour when you, when you are in market to make that purchase. And that could be about... Buying a house, buying a car, buying trainers—you know the things that you, you, you know—they're very high interest. You know, you're very interested, very engaged with it, but you're not in the market all the time. And that's why this kind of in-between uh, kind of marketing is really important. I think okay, we see so, things like that as well, Paul. Like car brands as well. You know, who are who become really big storytellers, create a lot of content yeah. because, as you say, like it's not a—you don't buy these every week, but you've got to stay front of mind for when the moment comes. <laughs> that absolutely. You Absolutely. So, so, so great. So we can, we can uh, put together a nice story. Um, but we, we're talking about how do we get this um, in, in the media? So, you know, what, what, what is it that they're looking for, Christian? Um, I, you know, it, it's kind of, I, I, I um, alluded to this right at the top there about kind of how, you know, it's in our human nature to, to sort of, you know, enjoy stories and, and kind of, you know, media has been spawned off of that. They, they tell stories. Um, and, and so I think, um, you know, Andy's point about um, authenticity is, is, is a really, really important one. And, and kind of, to, to, you know, to, to expand on that whole Red Bull thing, it's like they, Red Bull know, for instance, that kind of, I, I don't know, if they're targeting Lab Bible or The Sun or the FT, whoever it may be, they're not just going to kind of run with um, images of a guy, you know, doing flips on a on a BMX or something. Um, you know, Red Bull obviously take to the extreme and, and, and send a guy up into space to, to kind of do a, a jump from. But, it, it, you know, that's that's them telling their stories to, to kind of um, garner that sort of mass mass attention. So um, I, I think, you know, when, we, when we're considering the media, they... I think we have to accept they've got a really, really good understanding of their audience. And, and that's when 
um, you know, Natalie's stuff she was talking about, about then us as, as a brand or as an operation, understanding our audience and start matching the two up. Um, that's when we, we get to, to kind of um, having a clearer understanding a little bit of, of kind of where do we want to be seen in order to, to, to kind of attract the people that we, we believe are um, potential customers. Um, so it, it, it's, it's I, 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 you know, the bottom line is that I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all um, solution. You, you, it's why you see kind of wildly different approaches from a publication like The Sun when you compare it to the FT or, you know, for obvious reasons, the Manchester Evening News is going to need different stories to to the, you know, the Evening Standard down in London. So, and, and, and I think that's a really, really important thing to start considering when you're looking at kind of building your, you know, your suite of content or, or, or building your story. Um, is to align that with all of those things that we talked about earlier, like kind of we've identified our audiences and the things they're into, um, but then also then matching that. If we want to amplify that, um, what what sort of news outlets are really going to make the difference for us? And that's an important thing. Yeah, I think the days of just kind of firing a press release across to somebody, a bit of written word, and expecting it just to kind of you know, fly off the shelves and make the column inches as well as kind of news publications websites are a bit gone to be fair and um i'm gonna go off piste again here again but you're right chris you know i remember we were doing a lot of work with our bible um, and we were looking at kind of just you know how social first their content is for example you know so actually if we were looking at that bible as a target publication because we want to i mean their demographic in between you know 18 to 35 from the largest news publications in the, in, the, in the world, actually, um, then actually we know it's a social first content strategy that they have. The way they engage with their audiences tends to be through their, their Snap channels. And then, you know, let's just say it's Facebook. So the content we're amplifying to those guys to try and put our brand in front of their millions and millions of audiences, you know, video is going to be a huge hit. You know, we have to think about how it's going to, how's it going to appear in their live Bible feed? Because we, they're like, if we don't give them content that's going to work, that's going to keep their audiences engaged, that's going to mess up their kind of daily news plan around their social strategy, then, then actually it's never going to get placed. So I think, you know, Nat's mentioned understanding audiences and we've understood kind of who you are as a brand, but actually the publications and the way they are communicating now, right, that's what we really need to consider. Again, the sun, big on Snapchat, FT, probably a little bit different. So I think actually when we have got this big, massive creative idea, it's one of the various ways that we can amplify it. How can we take one idea, create a video, a news article, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's where we kind of try and get the most of our content, let's say, in terms of the types that we create. Yeah, 100%. And I think at the minute we're starting to kind of differentiate the ways that we do create content and how we actually tell those stories. So it's kind of going beyond just giving an article or providing the words, it's really starting to scope out the creative aspect of it. So looking at provided images, videos, even supporting with interactives and and infographics to help communicate that story just at maybe a a deeper level. So I know we've kind of had success in the past at at kind of using unique data sets and providing insights, whether it is just within that kind of um, data format or taking it again a bit further in terms of accompanying it with a, a supporting article. But I think why we've started to to look and take these unique data sets and give them to publications is because it allows them to take their own angle on it. So it becomes then relevant for for their audience and they can manipulate it into kind of their own story and communicate a story that's meaningful for that audience. And obviously for us, it, it, it does mean that there's obviously more chance of being published. 
And then I think also just from a kind of secondary to that, we've started seeing a lot of kind of success as well from kind of a social perspective. So taking that content idea and, and communicating with the likes of the sun and, and getting it on maybe the Snapchat story or Instagram reel, which again, from a social perspective, just increases that visibility like hugely. So I know we had success with Gap seeing them on the sun Snapchat that visibility for them as a brand when it's seen by millions and millions of people is, is obviously such a win for us and them. Yeah, I think just while you're talking, um, before we go on to the next bit, I think, you know, people people always kind of wonder how you kind of get, get you know, we talked about it being data-led, those kind of things are really important, um, thinking about the different formats, but, um, you know, kind of thinking about the core of your creative idea and, you um, we kind of have this bit of a thing that I think we stole from Google years ago because Google were trying to explain how you make a really good clip on YouTube. And they have this little formula called A plus B plus C over V. And it kind of helps, you know, you don't, you, you can't use this routinely, but it kind of helps you to remember um, the, the ingredients that go into something really good. And the B and the C are really easy. That's like, what is the benefit of what you're talking about? And the C is how it's culturally relevant. Um, the A bit is do something abnormal. So you're basically doing something a bit weird, but with a clear benefit and clear cultural relevance. And um, by by doing that, you, your story becomes more interesting, more attractive. And you've got that level of engagement. You've got why it's kind of fitting in now. But the abnormal bit is really important, and um, which is why you get people on um, uh, photo shoots wearing stupid outfits. Right, Christian? Um, but uh, anyway, I'm joking. Um, and then the V bit is make sure you don't have any vampires. And the vampires are the things that are going to kill it. So it's being clunky, it's being cheesy, it's being, you know, making a video and using crap music, or it's making a video and shooting it really badly, or the sound being off, or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it, I think the important thing is always remember that abnormal benefit in culture. And you can have it, you can do you can build that from data or you can build it from a creative idea, but just just always think what what's going to be the thing that's going to make it stand out. And almost the abnormal bit, it's a hard bit to do, but um always try and do that. So um, I think that kind of leads us neatly on to the, um, to, to the next bit, which is kind of, you know, thinking a bit more broadly about, you know, if we're a, a business or, you know, marketing director, how, how do we kind of start to pull together these, the, you know, you've got the media and you've got social and you've got social in the media and you've got social media. It's like, you know, it's a it's a thing. It all kind of glues together, doesn't it, Christine? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I think there's a couple of things to to, to kind of consider there. I I, I think sort of. I guess the best advice that I, I can certainly give is to almost take those blinkers off. If you're you, you're looking at kind of you, you've got your story here, and, and kind of this is what I think we've alluded to is is to kind of think, okay, well, uh, our target media might be you know lad bible, son, whoever it may be is actually then start to, to kind of um, open up the peripheral vision a little bit. I, I kind of, in, in terms of bringing this to life, I think, um, and, and kind of bringing your point to life, Paul, about kind of quality production of, of, of kind of that story. Um, you know, John Lewis now kind of almost owned the, the kind of the Christmas ad market and have done for a few years. But, that, you know, that was down to a commitment many, many years ago that they were going to try and start to do that. I kind of think, you know, before then, um, you know, Christmas ads amounted to 
um, you know, nothing more than, than sort of wrapping the, the sort of the proverbial tinsel around a, a gift under a tree with a, a kid in a dressing gown. So we're looking excited. And and that was sort of it. They, you know, their their production, you know, they're, they're producing a, essentially a film now. Um, that, I mean, know, having said that, everybody's making films. The next person to just wrap a present up in tinsel and put it under a tree, everyone will be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the one. Okay, well, we look forward to your, your Christmas ad next year then, Paul. Um, and, it, you know, I, I kind of think when you look at John Lewis and, and the popularity of, of, of their ads over recent years, I think they're, you know, they're, their marketing department are probably looking at it going, oh, crumbs, you know, the, the advent of, of kind of on-demand TV means that we don't have to watch the ads anymore. We can kind of fast forward through them. Um, but I, I, I sincerely don't think that's ever stopped John Lewis from, from committing to what, what they're doing. Um, you know, just before this, I, I took a quick look. It's just one example. Um, but the, 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 the Twitter post that premiered their ad, I think it was on the 4th of November, um, has got 4 million views on it. Um, and that's on that post just alone. So that's not to, like, you know, I have no clue about kind of all the other platforms that they look. And that's that's off the back of them having 400,000 followers on that Twitter feed. So obviously you can see that gets shared and shared widely. That's them understanding that their market is now not just watching TV or if they are watching TV, um, they've got the ability to kind of skip through the ads essentially. And so they've got to get that ad out um, in, into other areas. And so they've opened up their vision a little bit. And, you know, John Lewis is a great story of that in, 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 a, in, in so much that they, they kind of, they've, they've produced this thing now that the media are anticipating it as well. So they, they then feed off the reactions to the John Lewis ad. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the, the kind of John Lewis, you look at kind of some of the PR activity they did around pre-promotion of the, the ad and the, the kind of these stunted crashes that they put on in, in a few high streets with the, the hashtag of, of unexpected guests. And, and you can kind of see how they're starting to bring together all sorts of different elements. Um, and this wasn't, this is for them, it's so much more than just producing an ad for Christmas. Um, and you know, there's, there's other examples that, that don't need to kind of cost the earth either. You know, kind of ad hoardings, for example, have, have, have become um, you know a great platform to get really creative and tell stories. And it's not just kind of accepting that you're going to see um, you know you, your ad your ad on that particular outdoor hoarding is going to be viewed by you know twenty thousand drivers every hour, whatever it may be. Um, Bring us back to Marmite again. At the start of the year, they they launched their dynamite chili variant. And you, you know, you, you look at that ad. They they bought up a space that looks really, really quiet. They, they, they weren't in it for the, the, the kind of the footfall. They were in it because they could tell a story on that platform. Um, you know, it wouldn't have cost much for them to commandeer that ad space. And, and what they did though was create essentially a really arresting image of this giant-sized lid kind of being blown out of the ad and landing in a you know in a nearby car windscreen and so you know that for them tells that amazing story about how powerful their dynamite chili is um but i think what they were anticipating on that and, and, and kind of rightfully so was how many people would then share that image they weren't just banking on a hundred people walking past a fairly unassuming kind of ad space on a, on a street corner so um I, I, I think the, that opportunity to to try and create that reaction um via socials as well as via media and kind of being slightly wider in in, in your views um it, it gives that opportunity i think and you, you see it a lot now it's like kind of a lot of media stories are, are kind of something has happened and you won't believe the reaction and and the media a lot are almost kind of looking at and you won't believe the reaction so the thing that you're doing might not be 
that massive. Marmite buying a small ad space in an unassuming street somewhere isn't a massive story. What they did with it became the story. How people reacted to it became the story. Um, and that then fuels the flames um, even, even further. Yeah. So, so the important thing there is really that social media, as we all know, kind of is the news now. Um, so what is going on in social is is the news. I mean, you see that across not just the the Sun and the Daily Mail, but the, you know the BBC will 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 report on what's going on in social. And I guess the interesting thing then with Marmite is that there was clearly a very hard working PR team making sure that everybody did know that something had happened and was seeding it in, and making sure that people were looking out for it as well. So kind of very well orchestrated uh, campaign. Um, and uh, yeah, social media is the news. So we kind of we're kind of getting into that, like how, the idea of things going viral. Um, you know, do, do people still use that word? In I think I think we're over viruses for now. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, something something going off. Everyone talking about it, and um, and and yeah. So just, just talk us through your thoughts around that, Christine, as well, because I think it's quite an interesting one about whether. <laughs> You know, do you control that or, or you know, how, how does it go? Yeah. I, do you know what? I think this comes back to, to the very top. And we, we, we were talking about, um, you know, having confidence in, in your identity and having confidence in, in who you are. Um, Marmite many, many years ago identified that kind of, you know, probably half of us hate the staff. Um, it hasn't stopped them doing um, really cool things. John Lewis probably get thousands of negative messages about their their advertising from all sorts of people in, in society and it doesn't stop them continuing to produce um you know those, those ads um I, you know I, I i think another i think the, the key point here is to to if you have that confidence and you have that understanding and you kind of your your you've identified what resonates with your market um then then you can move forward confidently and, and not to ignore kind of the naysayers or, or the negative comments, but actually um, have a little bit of context to them. I think Paddy Power are, are, are really, really good with this. Kind of, they've all they've long been kind of, you know, a little bit mischievous, very controversial at times. Um, but in their eyes, they're, I, I, I think they're probably sat there going, okay, who are we going to upset? Um, and we, we think we can identify who those people might be. They're probably not going to be our customers. So what are we losing here? Um, and, and so for them, I think the collateral damage of, of pretending to, um, you know, mow down vast swathes of the, the, the you know, the Amazon rainforest um, and, and the reaction you get from that um, was, was the damage was minimal um, compared to then who they really want to talk to, which was probably, you know, guys in their late 20s, early 30s who probably found that stuff really entertaining. Um, and, and so I think that for me is, is, is something in terms of control of message. I think it's a really powerful position to be able to say, well, we're going to give up a little bit of control because, um, it, you know, you're never going to please everybody all of the time. So um, why, why are we even trying to do that? Yeah, because it's kind of, it's it's almost, I can imagine that feeling of saying, let's go out and cause a, cause a bit of a stir um, and kind of almost, I suppose, plan to create some negative press um, is quite empowering. And, you know, I think, you know, from Paddy Power's perspective, it's kind of what a lot of their activity is hung on. But kind of, then it also, only some brands can get away with that kind of question, you know, and, and actually making that your thing. And uh, Paul, I remember we have, we've had a chat in the past. It's like, you know, Paddy Power is known for being funny. Like, that's just their space that they own. But I think there's, there's definitely 
up, I suppose, instances where you can, you can go viral for the wrong reasons, isn't it? And I think that's avoiding that vampire poll. You know, how do you kind of get it wrong with the, you know, partnering with the wrong celebrity? And actually, all of a sudden, you went viral not in a way that you intended. And I think that's kind of almost the, 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 the hardest part where you kind of have to try and, you know, I suppose, t- take comfort in the fact it, it's never always going to, sometimes it won't land in the way that you hoped it would. Um, and you are going to have a bit of kind of backlash is Christian is 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 all PR good PR? I don't think that's true, really. I think you can definitely have some negative PR that you've got to kind of try and avoid. But I think for me, when it comes to going viral, you've got to you know it's, it's got to be creative. You've got to think differently. You know, you've got that abnormal aspect that you kind of mentioned. Um, you know, that be abstract in your creative thinking. How do you get that to create that viral moment? I think is really really important. You know, just because. A few people aren't going to like the way John Lewis advert landed. They're not going to stop doing it. Do you know what I mean? They're going to kind of keep going and, and keep trying to kind of be that big brand at Christmas that everybody always remembers. Um, so I think with, with kind of going viral and when it goes wrong, I think it's almost just, as you said, being confident, be confident what you've done before, make sure it's always aligned with, with your audience, right in terms of a brand perspective, your tone of voice. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for me. Like Marmite are comf- confident, and, and how it's going to be perceived all the time. The no, it's not, it's going to have a bit of negativity, but they're happy with that. As with Paddy yeah. Power, they, they, intend, they intend on disrupting and causing a bit of a stir. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I think what lies at the heart of Marmite and Paddy Power is um, they are unswerving in their tone of voice and what their yeah, core thing is. Move. They just never divert from that. And, you know, and, and actually knowing a bit about Paddy Power, um, you know, kind of, had had a had a few goes at working with them and you know actually for a while there they would just take it they didn't have a, any agencies it just took any idea that came in and they would mm. have hundreds of ideas coming in and some of them they would try and they'd fail and of course the only ones that you see are the really good ones but a lot of that ta- that, that that the tactics that they're doing that is do a lot of stuff and see which one um you know catches fire if you're not necessarily gonna I'd, Im- I'd imagine, right, if you went to Paddy Power, like, when you say, like, it's it's kind of who they are and they've never strayed, like, I'd imagine the language they use on their social channels, you know, all of the messaging and the direct, kind, you know, their community management is of that similar tone of voice. So whether you're, you know, looking at a campaign that's been, you know, set out in a particular time, yeah, big billboards everywhere and buying a load of kind of media, or whether it's just the way they engage with their audience on their social channels, it's going to be of that similar Paddy Power way. So they just yeah, become yeah. famous for it. Yeah, it's been absolutely nailed on, single-minded. Innocent drinks are very good at that as well, but they haven't been viral for a while, but they have in the past, you know. So they're probably just waiting for their next thing to go viral. Right, just on to our last topic then is, um, so we're MediaWorks, we're all about the data. We're not not only about the data, but data is very important. Um, So... What 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 can we how how can we use data? How can we measure? How do we know whether any of this stuff is actually working? Um, I, I I think a lot of this is sort of that that kind of classic peso model um, activity, really figuring out how you know your, your content and communication strategies are, are going to work across all of those channels. A bit like um, Andy just said there about a, a sense of consistency in Paddy Power. It's not just their ads, but it's their is the way they talk on, on Twitter and on Instagram and on Snapchat and wherever else it may be. Um, and so looking, I think, at, at kind of that peso activity, you know, is our comms going to work across in, in, in paid, earned, shared and owned spaces? 
Um, and then going back to then kind of what, what your measurements are in that and kind of benchmarking, I think really from the, the start, really, is kind of go, where are we starting from? Where do we want to get to? Um, and, and then kind of um, looking at kind of how successful we we, we can be. Um, you know, things we use, we, we sort of track um, brand search through Google Trends and, and, and Ad Planner. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the ad planet gives you a great view over time of, of volume of brand search that, um, you know, relatively accurately, we, we, we track sort of spikes back to particular media placements or, or moments within a campaign. Um, you know, the, the, the Google Trends will give you sort of a bit of a live um, view of, of, of what's going on, um, but won't give you exact numbers. And so kind of using those to, to sort of um, side by side is is for us is, is always a great start point, certainly in a PR sense. Yeah, and I think we're also tracking the analytics behind it as well, Christian, in terms of looking at which PR placements are actually driving referral traffic. So it is obviously really important when we're tracking it that obviously your Google Analytics is set up correctly. So having this insight behind us that we can kind of measure impact off can then also start to inform our strategies moving forward as well in terms of where we go from it to the next campaign. So for example, if we're seeing kind of a lot of referral traffic come from Cosmopolitan versus kind of the Daily Mail, how does that kind of marry up and what are we then going to do and tailor our outreach strategy kind of moving forwards and kind of what publications are we going to, going to kind of contact and, and kind of deliver that content onto and I think from just kind of touching back on to kind of the, the SEO side of it, I think these placements on these third party publications obviously have huge impact from an SEO perspective. So making sure that obviously our digital PR strategy is aligned, obviously we can measure the impact from kind of ranking keywords and obviously the visibility that drives through then for your website. And then I think on the on the flip side, in terms of from a social perspective, again, it's kind of that driving the engagement essentially. So we normally benchmark kind of followers, likes, engagement rates, which you can kind of look at from a performance perspective, utilizing kind of social blade, which is, is free, or even just looking at kind of your Facebook creator studio to see which posts have gained that the most traction there. Cool, cool. And 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 I th- I think that you know one of the one of the really important things to remember with all of this is that we are we, yes we've been talking about blending pr um you know content uh social together um but if you have made an outstandingly good piece of content it's not of interest to the daily mail and it's not setting the world on fire you can always put paid spend behind it and still ensure that your audience that you carefully thought about and the creative that you carefully constructed you know that it gets in front of and gets considerable reach and um and that does also work, you know, just because something didn't catch fire on a Tuesday afternoon in November doesn't, doesn't always mean it was wrong. So, you know, mm-hmm. don't be scared of um, then, you know, having a paid part to boost all of your kind of content and social strategy as well, because that will work and it will shift the, the dial on your brand and sales metrics. Blanks, you look like you want to say something. something. I think it's, I think as just as Nat kind of went through all of the diff- how we report and all these different channels, it's this idea that actually, you know, when you think about content creation and, you know, when you think about other, um, some of it can be on a huge scale. We talked about some big brands there that create big masses amount of content, lots of production. Actually, you know, it's about then actually what is the route to market because you've got lots of different channels that we can use and they're all going to complement each other. So, you know, you're reporting on that piece of content or the impact that campaign needs to be cross-channel because it might have it might work as you say Paul, more effectively on one channel than others just because it hasn't gained a load of PR except when then actually let's put it on the social put some money behind it try and set the world on fire over there because you know you know creating content is timely um 
But there are so many different ways we can put it in front of people um, that will, you know, and it all connects. And I think you might get attraction on social that then might eventually drive the PO and drive the kind of placements of publication secondary. So yeah. exactly. It all works together. So, um, right. So just to kind of summarize then what we kind of went through today. So I think number one, good brand stories come from a place that's well researched, you know, insights and data. Um, you know, gets us a better understanding of our audience, the people that we're talking to, the publications that we're going into. And, you know, you've got much better chance of success if you do that um, insight work. Um, number two, understand what the media want. So, um, you know, try and understand the kind of stuff that they run with and um, what's going to be relevant and timely for them. But also that point about different content formats, different bundles. But also think about this creative side as well and like how you can add a little bit of spice to what you're doing. Um, number three, I think, um, you know, think about this world where media and social go together, that actually you can drive a story out of social media conversation. It can become a news story. It doesn't have to be the other way around. So kind of get your head around how those two worlds uh, work together. Um, fourthly, think about how much control you really need. And is there some mileage in just letting go a little bit and, you know, seeing what happens or not? You know, you're going to. That's a that's a test and learn, um, but you know remember that people like Paddy Power um, they put a lot of stuff out there that doesn't set the world on fire. So make sure you learn from the the stuff that doesn't work, and then finally you know benchmark from the start. Um, have really clear objectives. Um, yeah, the the you know the data points are there. Um, you know the, the the analytics platforms are there. I think it's um, you know as we kind of got to at the end there. Make sure you tie it all together and you're you're joining up all the different analytics points across your digital ecosystem, and then you will start to get a better understanding of what things are really working. So, right, well, thanks very much for the panellists today. Great job, guys. And um, I think um, next week, um, we I think the masterclass is going to be, we haven't quite decided yet, so I'm not going to spoil it. But just one to watch out for, put in your diaries, on the 7th of December, we will be doing the MediaWorks Christmas special where we'll, we will be taking some of those adverts like John Lewis and asking the question, are they any good? And we'll, we'll, we'll go through that and, and pick it apart. We'll see whether they did have any vampires in there or not. Um, and, uh, you know, so that will be both insightful and fun and a bit Christmassy. Um, in the meantime, uh, thank you to all the attendees. Um, we'll give you a bit of a follow-up um, from, the, uh, from the, the, the growth team. And, um, you know, we're, we're very happy to kind of have a look at your PR, do a PR audit, look at how you're performing in some of the areas that we've talked about. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing, a service that we kind of offer for free and we'll be, we'll be following up with you all. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, enjoy the sunshine and thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye.